0: boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, our topic is PR, public relations, earned media, whatever you want to call it. It gets you impressions, engagements, and hopefully sales. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. And all right, PR, earned media, very attractive because authentic content and engagement that you don't have to pay for. That sounds like SEO for the press to me. I like this idea. It sounds great. So why isn't everyone doing it? Well, because it's hard and it could be expensive. So all right, as the host of a moderately successful podcast, that's the really nice bar to clear they're moderately successful. I get a lot of pitches for PR firms, and they're mostly awful. Or we've had clients hire PR firms and they feel like they flush 10K a month down the toilet. These are the stories I've heard about this. But then you have people who do PR and they do it right. So how do you do it right? And like Many things, the answer might be, do it yourself, DIY it, or at least at first. So why would you want to put in that effort? Well, who wouldn't want to be featured in Wirecutter, GQ, Engadget, TechCrunch, Forbes, CNN, Wall Street Journal? I will take any one of those, or even huge YouTube channels like iJustine. Our guest today has been featured in all of those, and he's going to tell us how to do it. He's been doing PR for eight years as part of his role at Nomad Goods. We're joined by listener and now recurring guest, Chuck Melber. And during his tenure at Nomad, he's established a strong foundation in advertising, email marketing, affiliate marketing, PR, and influencer marketing. Well, PR is the thing we're interested in, but I, I also might want to hear about uh, affiliate and influencer marketing along the way. Okay. Chuck, welcome. You really gotten into all of those places, these like big household names? Have featured yeah, your products?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, it's great to be here again. Uh, love listening to the show as always. So uh, I'm excited to, to contribute a little bit. Oh, yeah, well, I've thank gotten, you. I've gotten Nomad. Yeah, pretty much featured in all those guys over the years. Uh, some of them repeatedly. Um, and it's taken a lot of sweat equity to get there, but it's it's uh, a good place for us to be. That's for sure.
0: All right. So you did get in all of those. Follow up question: How?
1: It's all about relationships. A lot of effort. A lot of communication and a lot of just establishing good friendships with people all across the spectrum that are doing all types of content, be it YouTube, traditional media, influencer, anything else.
0: And so establishing relationships. Let's start with how do you not do it? What is the wrong way to go about this? Because I think I'm on the receiving end of mostly that.
1: So the the wrong way is uh, if if you're a Shopify store, I'm sure you've gotten bad pitches from all different kinds of software companies but the wrong way to do it is to do a, an impersonal batch and blast message with the wrong first name in the title or the subject line, <laughs> the wrong, wrong job, screw up their, their, job, their title, that type of stuff. Just impersonal, indirect communication is gonna get you in the trash pile and eventually on the, sh- the crap list um, if, you, if you do it too many times.
0: You can so. always tell when it's like the bad mail merge because often like, the fonts don't match. Like yep. the font sizes will change. You're like, how did, I don't even know how you did this.
1: Yeah. Or no,
0: like if they manage to get that part right, then like the context makes zero sense. Like I got one recently that's like, hi, Kurt Paul. I love the unofficial Shopify podcast. We'd love to come on your show to discuss real estate investing. For that one, that's one of the few I actually replied to. Cause I said, absolutely. You could come on the show just as soon as you tell me what that has to do with e-commerce. <laughs> and of course I, I didn't even get a reply but I also didn't get any more pitches from them.
1: No, exactly. And I, I haven't been on the receiving end of those kind of pitches too for software and stuff like that. It's just, it's brutal to get it. So you got to put yourself in the writer's shoes and and imagine how you would like to be pitched on any given subject um, and try to connect with them on, on an actual personal level, which is I guess, a good transition into like how you should actually go about establishing these relationships. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, like the, the saying goes, there's more than one way to skin a cat. But for, for me, the way I've gone about it, was predominantly through Twitter. Um, people that are working in media are all over Twitter. It's it's the one place you definitely can find folks that are writing about whatever subject matter that, that matters to you or your business. So I, when I first started at Nomad, I, I established our branded Twitter account and then used that as a, a a method to reach out to press and engage with them. Not necessarily on the pitch I want to send them, not necessarily on our products, but just engage with them on a human level. You know, they're posting about what's your favorite IPA. I respond to that with like a, a witty comment. Someone complains about Mondays. You respond to that with a witty comment. And you you take the opportunity to then like establish your brand as a, a persona that the press can engage with on a non-pitchy, non-transactional uh, way or in a non-transactional way, um, which I think has been very important for me and Nomad. Um. But how do you find those press? How do you decide who you want to engage with? That's another big question. Um, for me, I basically just started putting together a list of all the publications I wanted to be in and then trying to track down the writers that are talking about iPhone or Apple Watch since Nomad focuses predominantly on those those uh, two pieces of tech. Um, okay,
0: so we go got, ahead. all right, so uh, run us through what Nomad sells. You work Sorry. for Nomad Goods, what yeah. do these
1: guys sell? Sorry, I should have established that at the beginning. Uh, Nomad, we sell iPhone and Apple Watch accessories for the most part. So straps for Apple, uh, Apple Watch, cases for iPhone, wireless chargers, MagSafe chargers, AirPod cases. I know, Kurt, you have an AirPods Pro case from us. I, um, I had
0: a Nomad's phone case, but upgraded my phone so yeah, I right. don't have it now. But I have my AirPods Pro case. It's like glorious honey brown leather. I love this thing. It feels good. It looks good. My case is readily identifiable to me. I don't know. Every time I see it, I pick it up. I think about Chuck. I thank you.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we sell all kinds of tech accessories. So for me, you know, getting an Engadget or TechCrunch is really important because um, that's the place where people go to read about tech. So I I find those writers that are talking about our subject matter, and then kind of track them down on Twitter, start engaging with them there, and then eventually try to find an email address, and and eventually send a pitch. But initially, at least, just try to establish the brand as a persona for them to uh, to rec- uh, recognize.
0: And so, all right, you're you look for publications that would be interested in what you do. And Hmm. the chances are by virtue of being in that industry, like you already know them before I finish that sentence. And so in your case, it's obvious like, all right, it's iPhone accessories, so we want um, these gadget logs. Exactly. Uh, And yeah, so like Engadget, TechCrunch, Gizmodo, Apple, like there's just so many. Exactly. And so, all right, you go through those, you know which ones those are, you go through those, and then you see, all right, who, who's on the beat? Who's writing about these topics? Follow them on Twitter and start engaging with them. I think what's interesting is that you do it as Nomad Goods. Yeah, I, so I do it's that. So necess- it's not Chuck. It's the at Nomad is the one doing it.
1: Correct. And I do that purposefully. Like I could easily establish my own Twitter account and try to do the same thing. But having Nomad be the entity engaging with the writers kind of helps your, your pitch email that you eventually send right to the top. So you know, they just like you and I, we get a ton of pitches all day from software companies. Writers are getting pitches all day long from people that want to, want their their items covered. But if they, you know, they're scrolling through their pitches and they see, oh, something from Nomad. That's the company that was talking to me about beer the other day. Let's see what they're talking about here. What what they're emailing me for? It's it's a good way to ensure your emails get open, basically.
0: And it's because of it, you have managed to stay top of mind and make yourself recognizable.
1: Very much so, and repeatedly. You know, it's not like I. I go out there, jump on Twitter and engage with Kurt once and then never again. It's no, I, I'm going to engage with Kurt every week, maybe a couple times a week. And then when I do send that pitch a month later, he's like, oh, yeah, Chuck or Nomad's been chatting with me. Let's let's see what Nomad's got going on now.
0: That's it. Uh, what's that duration? Is there a duration or a trigger? What is where, you know, like, all right, time to pitch?
1: Uh, I don't have any hard, fast rules there. I I mean, you could engage a couple times and pitch right in the, the next day. Um for me or for nomad specifically we have such a robust product lineup so we're always well we're basically launching a new product every two weeks so i'll start engaging with people and then as soon as i have a next product launch I'll, I'll start sending emails um but if you launch a product once a year you know I'd i'd say try to get out in front of them with a pitch sooner than that you know engage once or twice and then send your pitch their way but like we were saying earlier it's super important to make that pitch personal and direct to the person that's receiving it so get the name right get their publication right don't go on and on and on about some tirade about why your product's amazing. Just give them the quick bullet points and offer to send them a sample and, and see where it goes.
0: When we talk about PR and we call it earned media, why do we call it earned media?
1: Well, I mean, you can go all day long. You can spend money on Facebook. You can spend money on the Meta Universe or any other location. You can buy posts on publications too if you wanted to. But at the end of the day, having that earned media or earning that media is A, it's more organic, it's original. And then B, it's repeatable. You don't have to go spend that money again. Like if you want to go buy a spot in whatever, I don't know, some random publication, you could do that. You can pay five grand for a spot, but then you want to do it again. You you can't just email that publication and get a free post. They're going to want you to pay again. You want to earn the media so that way you get it repeatedly.
0: Okay. So the, well, it's authentic. It's more authentic. I didn't pay for it. So the theory, the one I didn't pay for is the more valuable one.
1: Exactly. The one you didn't pay for is more valuable. Uh, publications have to be transparent about when you're paying for something. You know, it'll say like a guest post or a sponsored post or whatever it may be. Uh, I think consumers can see through that. And then also, too, uh, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but the social, if you are, you know, advertising on Facebook or Meta or whatever, people see your brand, they're going to Google you to see if you're legit or not. There's so many fly-by-night dropship operations these days that they want to see what's up. So, if you have that earned media out there, they see your ad, they then google the brand and five articles come up about all your latest and greatest products they they know that there's this trust built in they can in, believe in your brand and what you're selling versus like I said, some random fly by night operation.
0: That's a solid point uh, so it, a lot of it it's about establishing trust
1: trust exactly with the consumer, but then also i mean it, we call it p r like public relations whatever i I consider it more pu- personal relationships, so you're establishing that relationship with the writer to then garner more publications or easier publications down the road. So you know, you're know, like, you not included in just one gift guide, you're included in all the gift guides. Or one best of roundup, you're included in many best of roundups. It, having that one-to-one relationship is super important. Um, and that's something you just can't get with an agency.
0: And so you like the DIY approach here. You think that's necessary, it sounds like.
1: I love the DIY approach. Um, that said, there are times when an agency is helpful. Like, if you want to break into a new vertical, a new market with your brand, and you don't have any of those relationships yet, and you don't want to spend a year building them, you can go out and find a reputable agency who can help you do that. Um, but ultimately, it's one of those things that you want to try to bring back in-house as soon as you can, at least in my opinion.
0: And if I'm doing this myself, where do I start? What is, what's step zero here?
1: All right. So yeah, um, we kind of touched on it. Step zero, Twitter. Step two, Build that list of who you want to engage with and start chatting with. Step three, get their email address. That's kind of the hardest step because writers don't necessarily want all their, e- their email address all over the internet. Um, some of them will have it listed in their Twitter profile, which is great. Some of them you can find it on their bio for whatever publication they write on. But then others, they just it's not there. So there's a few ways to go about trying to find that email. One, you can, of course, if you establish a relationship with them on Twitter, you can just DM them and ask. Uh, what I've done in the past early on is I hired a VA said, here's a list of publish- publications and writers, go find me their email address. And they you know, they couldn't find all of them, but they definitely spent a lot of more time sleuthing around the internet and were able to f- drum up some uh, email addresses for me. And the pro way is you uh, invest in like, a PR tool. Uh, the one I use is called Scission, but there's a few different ones out there. And those are great ways to, to search for writers and surface their contact information, how they want to be pitched, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a little bit spendy, but it's it's been really helpful for me.
0: And what does it do?
1: The main thing is I can jump in there. I can just search for iPhone and see who's writing and talking about iPhone, add you on Twitter and start sending you pitches. Or I can say, hey, I know Kurt is a great guy that covers iPhone. I can't find his email address anywhere. You can search Incision, and 70% of the time, 80% of the time, it's there. Um, and the nice thing, too, that it comes with like their bio, how they like to be pitched, all that kind of stuff. Some writers want to be phone-called. Some of them absolutely do not want to be phone-called. Oh,
0: it's got their like preferred method of contact? Oftentimes, yes. Not always.
1: It's kind of up to the writer, I think, to update that. but. But oftentimes they'll That's be. That's kind of cool. It's great. It's really neat because that way all the information's there. I got the email. I got the phone number. I got Twitter.
0: Yeah, because if they're like, if one person prefers phone and another doesn't, you know, you call the wrong one and oh, you are the really wrong on one, crapless. You've managed to offend both of them. Exactly. Or like the very least, you've annoyed them, which is not going to help your case.
1: Yep. And then the other thing I like it for too is if I do want to break into a new vertical, I can do I can do a search for iPhone, but then limit it to only women's interest publications or only. Um, animal publications, pet publications for some reason. I don't know. I don't see why I'd be looking for pet writers that are talking about iPhones, but it's something you could do. And then, same for international. If I wanted to try and get a better foothold in Germany and find writers in Germany, I can search there.
0: Uh, and in theory, like I could do the same thing with just more time and effort in Google. Exactly. You can definitely do all the exact same stuff with more time effort, and effort in Google, a VA,
1: an intern, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's been me just kind of hacking it together myself.
0: Accidents happen. Maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme, or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake. Common myth. Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue! They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like NYX and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. it in the shopify app store or visit rewind.com all right so our opportunity here is twitter media people are on twitter. love to tell you how twitter's not real life and it doesn't matter and then also they're the people who are absolutely the most active on it 100 percent. it's crazy
1: like some of them have instagram some are on tiktok but everybody's on twitter so that's that's the channel to engage with people on a non-pitch basis um
0: and I think it's interesting that you're not doing the pitch in DMs. Oftentimes, until you, you get their email, I wait
1: until you get their email because that way I can give them a little bit more information. Um, a lot of writers will have their DMs locked just because they do get blown up all the time. And then, that's why I had to do it. Yeah, it was exactly. like
0: Nonstop. It's like, hey, I'm uh, I'm affiliate manager from like Shlemy app for Shopify. It's the newest app that sells Web 4.0. And I'm like, I don't like, you should partner with us. Yeah. And then of course, partner means like, you advertise for us and maybe we give you 2% of sales. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, get out of here.
1: Exactly. So yeah, use Twitter only for engaging on a like, a, like I said, a human basis. And then when it comes to pitching, use email for the most part.
0: All right. So Twitter list, email, Twitter, build your list, uh, email them with the pitch. With
1: the pitch. Free
0: product. After it, you've built that rapport.
1: After you've built the rapport. Um, and then since you bring up the pitch, what well, goes into a good pitch? Zero requests. Don't make any demands in a pitch. Don't be like, "Hey, I want to send you this product, but I need you to do X, Y, and Z." That gets you nowhere. Uh, a good pitch is short and sweet. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have seen uh, really long, corporate, elaborate uh, press releases. It's just so verbose; no one's going to weed through it. So just get to the nuts and bolts of it real quick. You know, a couple sentences of the of the meat and potatoes. Of what you got? What you're launching? Some bullet points, a link to assets, um, and an offer for a sample. Uh, being able to give a sample is very, very important, I think. Um, And again, with no strings attached, just, hey, check it out. We think it's a great product. We think you'll love it too.
0: And that's, we heard in the past about um, this concept of product seeding, where you try and no strings attached, you just offer the product for free. And that like, that's it. That is the sole thing. And you set a budget for it. And you're like, this is how how much free product I'm just going to give away per month. And you give that to influencers, which we don't traditionally think of journalists as influencers, but certainly they are. But yeah,
1: they have the same a similar impact. And I think you talked about that on a recent podcast. I'm totally forgetting who the guest was, but that's exactly how I treat my influencer marketing is, yeah, free product without any strings attached. And then with press, the same thing. It's You want to get the product in their hands so they can write about it in a cohesive way and be excited about it, or hopefully as excited as you are.
0: It, yeah, it's hard and unrealistic to think they're going to agree to write about it before having experienced it.
1: Exactly, unless you're like, if you're Apple, yes, they don't need to have the latest iPhone in their hands before they write about it. But
0: it turns for... out most of us are not Apple. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I wish as much as I wish I was. No, we're not. So it's important to be able to, to provide that product to people.
0: All right. So the way that people get it wrong here mm-hmm. is they go straight to just like the you know the the person on the receiving end of the pitch has never heard of you has no idea what you're talking about and you just come out of nowhere with like, here is a press release and some demands. And then you're like, why didn't anyone reply to that?
1: Exactly. And that's the, the blessing and curse of scission is the fact that you can go download a list of email addresses without doing any proper legwork. And then just, here's a hundred people that I think kind of cover my beat or my subject matter Ugh, and blast a out a hundred emails. Exactly. Which that, that, that never helps. So it's important to be picky and choosy with how you're reaching out to people and who you're reaching out to. All
0: right. So I want this is another instance of quality over quantity. A hundred percent. It's nice to get
1: a couple good articles rather than a bunch of really low quality articles. Why? Because the writers all read each other's stuff. They all know what everyone else is up to in a certain beat. So if you're picking up an article in one big publication, you know a few other writers have seen it. So then if you start engaging with them on Twitter, they're going to be like, oh, I read about that in John Smith's article. Let's, let's see what these people are about. So I think quality, or, quality over quantity is important, at least in my opinion.
0: I mean, by virtue of them being active on Twitter, they are in an ongoing conversation with each other. They have a network. They have a community. And so if you can get in front of one person who will write a decent article about you, that garners respect with the others. Exactly. They're like, oh, well, you know, if if John Smith wrote about it and, you know, Apple, Mac rumors, well, maybe these guys are legit after all, and I should give them the time of day.
1: Everyone knows everybody when it comes to, like, a certain niche audience or in a niche category. So, like, if it was makeup, a lot of the writers covering makeup all know each other, I'm sure. Same for tech, same for dog products, same for whatever it may be.
0: As far as tools go, you mentioned Scission, mm-hmm. which is, like, this database that I probably wouldn't recommend for someone just starting out with it. No. Because it sounds like it's it's expensive and you could get yourself into trouble with the wealth of info and data it can give you. So are there any other tools you use?
1: Honestly, the the primary tool I use is Streak. Uh, it's a CRM tool that plugs into Gmail. Um, Kurt mentioned mail merges earlier and how dangerous they can be if you're screwing up your formatting or screwing up names. But as long as you keep a clean, well-organized list, Streak's been a really great tool for me, um, especially because I'm doing so many different product launches on a frequent basis. I'm able to kind of isolate each product launch in its own Streak pipeline and keep track of who, who got a sample, who didn't get a sample, who's interested, who's not, etc. And then I, I'm able the other nice thing too is I'm able to go back and cross-reference it. So, you know, if, if I'm releasing an updated product on an updated wireless charger, I can go see who wrote about the first one. I got a nice little clean list there of who wrote about my earlier version. Let's give them, the, make sure they get the newest one.
0: All right, so looking at Streak, I have not used- It's definitely not meant for I probably tried PR. Streak once like oh. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, And I end up using a different CRM tool. I use Pipedrive, which does not live in Gmail. But I'm also doing a different thing here. And, but looking at it, it looking at Streak, it does very much look like a a PipeDrive esque CRM that lives inside Gmail. So, and like that, a lot of that's based on um, automation, reminders, and workflow. It's pipelines, and so it could do mail merge, which is cool. It's got snippets. It's got some nice features. View tracking. What, what? If I'm setting this up for the first time, walk me through what my my Streak pipeline should look like. So for me,
1: my street pipeline is is pretty simple because I'm not it's not a l- l- like long nurturing period. It's I'm I'm doing a product launch. Okay, let's move on to the next product launch and the next one. But for me I have my contacts is like step one or people I've I've pitched. Step two is people that are interested. So maybe they say like, oh that's that's cool, tell me more, or hey, I want a sample. Step three is who sent I sent a sample to. After I send a sample, I'll give them about a week's time for the sample to arrive and check it out. I'll follow up and be like, "Hey, just make sure the making sure the the sample arrived. Do you have any questions?" I'll give them another week. Follow up one more time. Hey, do you have any questions? Any problems? Anything I can answer for you? And then after that, I'm, everyone kind of just basically drops off. I don't I don't try to hammer them too many times about any one given product. Um, I guess the last step in the pipeline is people that wrote about it, and I you know, keep track of who covered the the product launch and who didn't. But then you know, a month later, I'm launching my next product. I duplicate the pipeline, update it so everyone's back in column one and run the whole thing again. Um, so it's pretty simple for me. I don't utilize Streak at all to like the, the, the capacity it's designed. Um, but the use case for product launches is pretty simple and straightforward. So it's not, I don't have to get too crazy with it.
0: Okay. How long have you been doing this?
1: It's been eight years now. So I've been <laughs> learning a lot on the fly. Honestly, learning a, ro- a lot from writers as well. People have established relationships. and able to pick their brain. Hey, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Um, what are other people doing wrong? That kind of stuff. Just asking honest questions. Once you establish a relationship with someone, it's easy to have those direct conversations.
0: That's uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. What uh, er, what were some of the early mistakes you did not realize you were making?
1: I mean, honestly, I did that 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 shotgun approach. When I first got Scission, I got my hands on it. I was all excited. I'm like, oh, geez, I can download a 100 email addresses, 200 email addresses. I'm gonna send everybody the same pitch right now. Let's go, and it just fell on deaf ears. <laughs> no one responded. People were annoyed. Um, so it's like, okay, cool. That's that's not gonna work. Let's not do that anymore. But it took me a couple times to figure that one out. Um, the other thing too is, if you are blasting out too many emails at one given time, this goes to email marketing now. You can end up on spam lists. So you just gotta be diligent about not sending out 700 emails in one day. Uh, so for me, I try not to do more than 100 at any any given day. Um, okay which is it's funny cuz never think about your personal gmail account ending up on a spam list but if you're sending out 500 pitches that are all exactly the same you're going to end up on spam lists. which is frustrating but it happens
0: um <laughs> what do you set your from name as like when they get when this shows up in their inbox is it like chuck at nomad nomad chuck melber I
1: think it's nomad chuck- Ch- EM. I think it's nomad chuck or chuck nomad, nomad chuck. something like that nomad's in the, in the from line and then okay. and then subject line is like Nomad, pipe, whatever. Nomad new uh-huh. product release. Nomad early access. Nomad uh, embargo request. That's the other thing too. We can touch on if you want. Is embargoes.
0: Um, but that's kind of another side side conversation. Tell me about these subject lines. So you always start. You start with the brand name as a keyword, and then like topic, and you keep it tight. It sounds like.
1: Sometimes I get clickbaity. If I need to, if it's like, I need to do a flash sale right now. Like let's let's be, make a clickbaity subject line just to make sure it rises to the top. Um, yeah, generally it's just nomad pipe and then whatever the quick quick and easy subject is.
0: Okay, I like that. Uh, now you've been doing this for years, eight years. Is it still realistic to start with the same strategy today?
1: A hundred percent. I've I've talked to friends that are in smaller businesses and, and given this given them this advice. They start doing it. Well, first they tend to roll their eyes at me. Like there's no way I'm going to spend time on Twitter with my brand account and trying to engage with writers. Uh, but then they start doing it and they see it works. But th-
0: what are they doing instead with it?
1: Exactly. I mean, Just like pu- yelling into the void? Yelling into the void or trying to get to customers. But honestly, I don't know if Twitter's the greatest channel for customer acquisition, at least for e-commerce.
0: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I've never seen it. I've yet to see a brand. I've recorded over 400 episodes of the show. Not one person's come on and been like, you know where I, my number one acquisition channel is, we sell everything? Twitter. Exactly. Hasn't happened once. No, but it's great for PR. It's good as this, really is this B2B a networking tool. Exactly.
1: So I've advised friends to do it. They start doing it and they see a ton of success. And it's been people with like, what's the word? Experiential businesses, you know, like going out and doing some sort of outdoor activity. And it's been people with e-commerce businesses that have seen the same success trying this type of methodology.
0: On the Nomad account, do you have the Twitter shopping, the shelf set up where you can it like show some products? No, I don't. Have you considered it? No. No. Oh!
1: Is it good? Have you seen success with it?
0: I have not played with it. Oh, okay. We've been messing with YouTube shopping, and yeah. that that's nice. Yeah. And the Twitter, it's like the identical concept, just in that as part of your profile, there's a, there's a shelf of, like, you could put, you know, here's my five products, check it out. And so it might be kind of cool in this instance, since people will, there are in, when you're replying to these people, there are times where they're going to click through on your profile, and now, like, without having to go a step further, they can see the product at a glance. I, I think it's something worth considering here. Having just dunked on Twitter.
1: <laughs> no, but that's a good good point. It could be a really interesting way to do that for PR. Because, yeah, I've tried the social shopping. Like, I'm doing the Instagram, the YouTube, and everything else, and I'm, I'm not super bullish on any of them, to be honest. But for this, it could be cool.
0: Well, all right. We're starting to talk about social here. How does this strategy coexist with traditional social, like Instagram, Facebook ads? Honestly, Do they have any bearing on each other at all?
1: I think they're super Um One, you can easily reshare those those posts or those write-ups you get, which I think adds a little bit of clout to your brand and gives it a little bit of a social validation. Uh, but then two, like I was saying, you can, people, at least for me, if I see a, a brand that looks interesting, a product that seems cool, I, I don't click the ad. I go and Google the brand or, or the product or the ad, or I Google the, the, the service or product. To see, A, are they legit? And then B, just get more information about it. Because I know if I click the ad, I'm going to go to a salesy landing page and it's not really going to help me very much. But if I Google it and I see, okay, like for me, I've been shopping for fitness equipment. There's a ton of random sketchy fitness equipment brands on Twitter or Instagram at least. So I'm going and Googling the ones that seem interesting to me uh, and and seeing if they have any articles, seeing if anyone's talked about them and, and trying to just get a little bit of validation on them before I make a, make a purchase. So for me at Nomad... I think it's extremely important to be working on this PR outreach this PR engagement while I'm also focusing my my advertising dollars in meta. Cause I assume a lot of shoppers are similar to myself and going and Googling Nomad to figure out what our deal is. And when they Google us, what comes up a bunch of YouTube videos from different creators talking about us, a bunch of uh, news articles talking about our different product launches, um, which I think helps a lot with validating us as a brand and, and driving those conversions. It's tough to track because you know people see the ad on Facebook or Instagram, and then they go and Google, and they go to the Forbes article, and then they click the link on Forbes, and it turns out that's an affiliate link. So now affiliates getting credit for the sale when it maybe was originated by Facebook. That's a whole other conversation with attribution. Um, but my gut feeling is they work are hand, in hand in hand really nicely.
0: All right, so IG Facebook and these PR efforts work hand in hand because I could that's content that I can then use in ads. Exactly quality content. It is means way more for a respected, recognizable publication to sing my praises than for me to shout about it. 100%. Do you still use a horse and buggy? How about a fax machine? No? Then don't use a regular Shopify theme when you can use Zipify Pages. Just ask this Zipify user.
1: Zipify Pages. I just found that it converts so much better than any Shopify theme I have used before. And you can create high converting landing pages in really the matter of minutes.
0: Zipify Pages is a powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $155 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. You can copy entire templates like opt-in pages, product pages, and holiday promotions, or use the drag-and-drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,500 Shopify merchants. To start your free 14 day trial, go to zipifycom Kurt. That's Z I P I F ycom K U R T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. You mentioned affiliate. Yeah. How does aff- affiliate and earn media play together?
1: So affiliate's the icing on the cake when it comes to earn media efforts. More and more today, publishers are turning towards affiliate marketing as a way for them to earn revenue to drive their publication rather than uh, pay-per-click ads or banner ads or even those uh, sponsored posts. Why? Because everyone has to write about the newest products out there. They might as well use an affiliate link to earn a little bit of money on that, that effort. Um, So I think it's extremely important to, at the very least, have some products on Amazon so they can link to you on Amazon and take advantage of the Amazon affiliate program. But ideally, you also set up your own affiliate program on any of the different affiliate platforms. There's way too many um, to give the publisher an opportunity to earn a little cash when they're doing those listicles or write-ups on your products and
0: that kind of stuff. So if I just have... um, like, Increasingly, we see people listing... Their products on marketplaces. Like, I just talked to guys, like, I got had this huge catalog. He's like, Oh, I got 200 products on eBay, and that's a great acquisition channel. And certainly, we see people with, like, Hey, I've got like my best, my Halo product, my best seller will be on Amazon. And just by virtue of Amazon having that affiliate program that anyone else can opt into, that gives them that opportunity to earn affiliate income on sales of your product without you assuming you're already on Amazon. You don't have to do anything else here. You don't have to
1: worry about it. And the the kicker with Amazon, too, is they can at least this is how it used to be. I don't know if it's changed. But if you click an Amazon affiliate link for a Nomad Wireless Charger, go to Amazon and then buy a TV within 24 hours, the publisher gets credit for that TV sale, which is (laughs) it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how much the commission rate is at that these days, but it's a pretty liberal deal.
0: During the pandemic, they cut it. They cut it? It used to be, it was like, there were categories that had like 7-8% affiliate payout, which was nuts. And then over time, it has steadily come down from that. But it's like, the ease of use of it and the ubiquity of it, I think is the, is why you see, like when you're just going through links and listicles and stuff, you'll just see, as soon as you see amzn.to, you know that's the affiliate link domain.
1: Exactly. So yeah, having a, having your products on Amazon is important, but if you want to get next level, you set up your own affiliate program and that way you can offer better incentives to publishers. If you really want to get some old stock listed or published about maybe something that you need to clear out, you can say, Hey, I'll give you an, an affiliate bonus. If you help me sell a hundred of these units or whatever. Uh, so uh, having your own affiliate program gives you more. Is
0: this attractive or offensive to them?
1: It <laughs> You gotta, you gotta tread lightly. Um, because a lot of times the editorial side of things is a little bit separate from commerce. So ideally, as you're setting up your affiliate program, you figure out who the commerce editor at the publication is. And that's the person that handles all the affiliate deals. So you don't have to go to the writer friend and say, hey, like, help me sell this. You go, hey, what's who's the commerce editor? Oh, it's John Smith. Can I talk to him? And then you, you pitch John on the uh, on the the more salesy affiliate stuff.
0: Okay, General. because you don't want it. You know, they could be turned off by Payola, but then at the same time, if you go through, like, if you go through the proper channels, any morning show now, you know, like NBC is like, all right, we're gonna do three sessions of like Jill Steals and Deals back to back.
1: Exactly, and like
0: that's all affiliate stuff.
1: Exactly, everyone. I mean, that's a changing media landscape, and and publishers need to earn money somehow. So, affiliate seems to be the the preferred methodology right now, and I, I think that's fine. I don't think I don't see any problem with that.
0: For Nomad, what uh, what affiliate tool do you use? So I was on Pepper Jam for years, um,
1: and then recently changed over to CJ.
0: Okay, Commission Junction. It's not a complex thing to fulfill, yeah. And there's a lot of options.
1: At the end of the day, there's a, there's ten or so really reputable uh, affiliate platforms out there you can dig into. Uh, you just got to find the one that's right for you and right for your audience.
0: I was going to say, it's you know the one that works for you, but also the one the audience, if there's one they're already familiar with, exactly. I think that's more, they're more likely to use it because they're like, yeah. oh, I already use this for X.
1: Exactly. And and you'll find that different industries operate on different platforms. Like I forget which one it is, but there's one that a lot of the outdoor brands and a lot of outdoor publishers are all using versus CJ has kind of everybody on there. Pepper Jam has everybody on there. There's one that's got a lot of uh, like makeup type uh, publishers. I forget what that one is too, but just do, do your research. You'll find the one that's right for you. And they all operate about the same way as far as uh, revenue, how they, how they make their money.
0: Anything, anything cool at Nomad Goods? I mean, I still, I, I love my AirPods Pro case. So, I'm like, what else you got for me? Uh,
1: we're going big on MagSafe right now. We kind of see that as the future of wireless charging, at least when it comes to Apple products. Um, I, we're going to have a busy Q3 and Q4 starting next month really excited to launch a, a. we have a really neat product lineup as, as far as charging stuff goes for the rest of the year I, i'm excited about what we have in store I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that but yeah MagSafe big is big stuff our leather is always huge and then we're, we're doing a ton of new um, more sporty synthetic uh, apple watch bands now that
0: are, are looking amazing do you as a a fairly big player in aftermarket apple accessories do you get like a heads up from them I'm like, well, here's going to be the dimensions of the new product. No, we don't get anything. Oh, really? You're on your own? We're on our own. Figure it out. It works. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Where can we go to learn more about you, sir? Uh,
1: You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Chuck Milber on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, Nomad Goods. Hit me up there if you want.
0: Uh, And Instagram, Chuck This Out. Chuck This Out. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And I do follow you on Instagram. Not that I'm I'm, I'm too active on Instagram anymore. My Instagram has Um,
1: zero to do with marketing or Shopify or anything else. So don't go there if you want to talk about that. But
0: The most interesting stuff has been like, I'm like, oh, Chuck's replacing his gutters. Sweet. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, it's, it's fishing, it's cooking, it's that kind of stuff, but it's good times.
0: Chuck Melber, Nomad Goods, how to be your own best PR person. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Kurt, it's been real. I really appreciate it as well.
0: Hold up. Stop what you're doing. Go log in your Shopify store. You there yet? Okay, check your apps. How many do you have installed right now? More important, how much money are you paying for those apps every month? Here's the reality. Most Shopify store owners are managing dozens of marketing apps, but you don't necessarily need all those apps to drive sales. That's why I recommend my friends at Privy. With the Privy app, you can take advantage of at least five apps in one. Manage all your website conversion, list growth, email, and SMS marketing all in one place. Yes, that also includes features like countdown timers, cross-sell campaigns, free shipping bars, abandoned cart emails, you name it, this thing is powerful. So save the time, money, and headaches from toggling between dozens of apps and get Privy today.